0: <clears throat> Praise the Lord, how are you doing this morning? Um, thank you, Pastor Nick, for all those uh, announcements and I, I just want to encourage you everything we 've been doing coming out of covid and, and we know that 's just been a a zoo right and it 's still a challenge on many levels but um deciding what 's important has been vital for every church what to do, what to offer so if for some reason, some people may feel like, well, we're really scaling back on, on some things that we used to do. There's a reason. Um, because if they didn't bear fruit, we're not doing them. Okay, it was a good place for an amen, but I'll, I'll move back over here. <clears throat> uh, see, there's a difference between, you know, things can be productive, but we're not called to be productive. We're called to bear fruit. So sometimes being productive just means we stay busy. That being said, that's why we're doing the training. I know we've already made announcements, but I just want to encourage this because if you're here and you don't know a whole lot about us, I just want to say this real quick, and I've got this one slide up, but it's just our mission. Grace River is here because we want every generation to experience the transforming power of God in every area of their life. It's not about just getting saved and sitting. It really is about what our lives can be in the entire world, your job, your families, your workplace, your your school, everywhere. It's how God is using you to impact the kingdom of God. Amen? So that's why we're here. And today, we started a series last week, a new season of grace. And I just want to continue in that because when we do, if we really expect every generation to experience the transforming power of God, What does that sort of look like? Um, It looks like people getting saved, being healed. I'm going to break these down over the next several weeks, but getting saved, being healed. I believe a lot of us have brokenness in our lives, and I believe that God still heals. But can I just say this too? If God heals you of a sickness today, you're still going to die. Just throwing that out. Just want to encourage someone today. I don't, <clears throat> you know, that's why we, we always are excited to hear the story of Lazarus, but that, all that meant was he had to die twice. Okay? Now, here, here's my point. I believe God has healing for us because when you start this relationship with Jesus Christ, healing will take place. You're set free from things. You're set free. We, we walk this, we start this process of discipleship, and discipleship is not a class, We may have a lot of small groups and classes, but being disciple is not taking an eight-week class and then checking that off your list. So what is it to be discipled? What is it to be equipped? What is it to be empowered, and what is it to serve? We're going to be going through that because I believe the kingdom of God is made up of that. People who have been saved, healed, set free, discipled, following Jesus Christ, they're equipped, empowered, and serving in the kingdom. Something powerful when that's happening, amen? So I want to talk about what it means to be saved this morning. What does it mean to be saved? Now, if you've been in church for many years, you're probably saying, come on, that's, that's so elementary. Okay, well, we'll find out. What does it mean to be saved? <laughs> Three different passages, and I'm going I'm to go to Ephesians in just a moment, but, but just to set this up, Ephesians chapter 2. So if you want to turn there but there's, there's a, a few different aspects. Being saved is being saved, but if you think of your body as body, soul, and spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 tells us that the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us being saved, it is the power of God. So what, is, what does that being saved mean? 1 Corinthians 3, 3.15 says, any Anyone's work is burned up and he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved. Will be saved. And then, of course, in Ephesians, and this is where I'm going to be speaking from primarily this morning, for by grace you have been saved through faith. You have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of work so that anyone may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. <clears throat> Excuse me. So what is, this, what is this saying? Being saved, will be saved, are saved. Well, if you think about it this way, um, will be saved. If you think about our bodies, when you give your life to Christ, your spirit man is in a right now relationship with God the Father through the Holy Spirit. So that that has been when you give your life you have been saved. Done deal. But when we talk about the human body it still is going to waste away. But when Christ comes and there's a resurrection and a new heaven and a new earth we all get new bodies. That's exciting. That may not be a big deal if you're under the age of 30, but I'm telling you, the older you get, it's a big deal. I'm going to be much better off in heaven than I am right now. I promise. I'm going to look a lot better in heaven than I do right now. Some of you, thank God, are going to look a lot better. Right? So here's, here's, what, here's what he's saying. There's an aspect of our life that when we get saved, listen, you're saved. Does it mean that my body is going to have no more pain? Not right now. It will. It will. You will have a new body. Your soul is in a process. Maybe the best way to think about this is a process of transformation. Not that you're almost getting saved as you go. That's not how God operates. You're saved, but how many know that you're still growing? You're still developing. You're not, you just didn't hit a home run with Jesus and everything's perfect and all of a sudden you talk right and act right and look right. No. And it's not even about legalism. It's about a changed heart. So he's always doing a work in us. So with that in mind, I just want us to look at this for a few minutes because what does it mean? You've been saved through faith and it's not your own doing, but it's the gift of God, not a result of works. Listen, when we do get to heaven, you will not brag about it. Meaning, you're not going to say, wow, I knew if I tried hard enough, I would get in. And I hear people say things like that all the time. They they may say things like, you know, I'm just trying to do good, I'm trying to do do good things for the church, or do good things for this person, or I'm helping these people out, because you know, after all, I'm not doing anything bad, so certainly I'll, no, It's not how it works. It's only through Jesus Christ. Only through Jesus Christ. So we're saved because of Jesus Christ. Nothing we do can't take the credit for it. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. I know there's a song about this. But but the reality is I'm saved. So how does this work? Well, first of all, it's a gift. It's a gift. Listen to what Romans says. Romans 11, 6. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. It's a gift. It's a gift that must be received. You've got to receive the gift. So God gave his son, because listen, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but listen to this. When he gave his son, John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever the world would believe in him should have everlasting life. So, if we know that he came and paid the sacrifice for sin for the world, I need you to think about it in these terms. The price for sin has been paid for the whole world. For the whole world. Now, now don't get confused here, because there's a lot of universalism going around. So get this part. The sins of the world are paid for, but if you don't accept the gift, you've not accepted Christ. So it, it can't be, thank God my sins are paid for, but no, I don't, I don't necessarily believe I need the gift. There's only one gift that will get you there, Jesus Christ. So don't, don't fall prey to God loves everybody. God does love everybody. That's why he sent his son Jesus Christ. Well, pastor, why would God send people to hell? God sends no one to hell. God sends no one to hell. As a matter of fact, sinners don't even go to hell. Don't, don't get ahead of me now. It's whoever has not accepted the gift has not accepted eternal life. God loves everyone. He, he's provided the answer. If we were going out to eat today, and we advertised the restaurant, and we all went there, and it's paid for, it's all you can eat. This is a story, Corey. (laughs) Don't get too excited. (laughs) Let me preface it. It's a story, all right? This is not real. But listen, if we were going out to eat today at a restaurant, and we even gave you directions, here's how to get there. Come and dine. Come and eat. It's all yours. Come and get it. And you don't come. Why would you be upset if you go hungry? Why, why would you be upset? And, and if somebody was walking out the church door and said, hey, did you get the instructions? Ah, please. I'm tired of people asking me if I've got the instructions. I'll get there if I want to. Stop pushing the instructions on me. Okay. You know, I just want to let you know, there is a way. There's, I, I believe there's a lot of ways. Good luck. Punch that in on your, whatever app you use and, you know. But there's only one way. I don't care what app you have. Here's the instructions. Now, this is not, as this, this far as I'm going to go on this point. If you don't accept it, you're not going to get there. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. And the reason you can't earn it, can you imagine a few weeks ago, my, one of my grandchildren had their birthday. He just turned uh, seven years old. And we knew what he wanted for his birthday. So my wife, and it's pretty cool when you're a seven-year-old grandson, you have to get his gift at Home Depot. <laughs> All right? You don't go to a toy store. You go to the tool store, right? He wanted a saw package, so we bought him this little saw package. I don't honestly know how he'll survive, but um, would it really be a gift if I gave him, hey, happy birthday, buddy. Here's your gift. Levi, I hope you enjoy it. Oh, Poppy, thank you. That'll be (laughs) $49.95. Well, Poppy, I thought it was a gift. Oh, it is, son. Here, I love you, man. I love you. Here, take it. Now, how are you going to pay me? Isn't that ridiculous? We treat God the same way sometimes. When instead of accepting this gift that comes with no strings attached, it's eternal life. But then we walk around trying to figure out how to pay for it. We walk around trying to figure out how to earn it. God, I'm sorry I wasn't so good last week. And I promise I'll be better this week. I know I'm in timeout until I get better. I know you can't use me until I get better. I know I'll never really add up until I get better. You see, the common denominator there is I, and I doesn't save you. Receive the gift. Receive the gift. So we're talking about being saved. And I want you just to picture a word now. Uh, picture a world that, if we really started living this out, would want what we have. So we need to start sort of acting like we've received a gift. And not having to earn it, amen? But the second thing, and listen, I'm gonna try to move quickly through these because I actually have seven points. But I promise you we'll be done in less than two hours. (laughs) You guys are really uh, not with it, are you, this morning? So a gift. Second thing, eternal life. He says in Romans uh, 6, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 John 2 25. And this is the promise that he made to us eternal life. When the, how long is eternity? Forever, right? And I know it's hard to conceptualize this. It's hard to sit, how, let's, let's measure that out real quick. No, it, it hurts. It'll really hurt your brain to think about it. But. Let me tell you when eternal life starts, when you give your life to Christ. See, some people think eternal life starts when you physically die. No, I died a long time ago. I've been dead for a long time. (laughs) I've I've been gone for a long time. Now, eventually, I'll die physically. And I say this, but it's really not a joke. There needs to be chicken and banana pudding at the reception. Because I was raised at every funeral, there was going to be fried chicken and banana pudding. I loved going to funerals when I was a kid. (laughs) The reception afterward was the best part. We all knew he went to heaven. We celebrated that and hurried up to the reception hall, right? So when I die, have fried chicken, have banana pudding. But I just want to give you a heads up. I've really been dead for a long time. My eternal life started a long time ago. Why? Because when I gave my life to him, he started a work in me, and he who begins that work in you will continue that work in you. So it's not about I can hurry up and physically die so I can start eternal life. I've already, you know, and those of you uh, in school, you know that concept of now but not yet. We've experienced the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, his salvation in our life, and we wrestle in this radical world of transformation as we make a difference now. But listen, when you give your life to Christ, you die to self. Because that's when eternal life starts. Can I, can I tell you that you can start today just living that eternal life? You know, and I know some of you are thinking, oh, it already feels like an eternity now. <laughs> well, then go ahead and get on the right side of it. Because you're going to spend eternity somewhere. Get on the right side of eternity, amen? That was good preaching, but I'll move on. (laughs) So we're eternity. The third thing is forgiveness, or that we're forgiven, right? Acts 13, let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Jeremiah says, I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. You know, forgiveness, here's why we have a hard time with it, because we have a hard time with forgiveness. We can't imagine God really forgiving us because we have a hard time, you ready, forgiving others. And I don't have enough time to really break this down like I'd like to. I understand that when things happen to us, there's, there's time that needs to take place. We healing is just that. You don't you know, emotionally or physically heal overnight necessarily. But there's a, there's a choice. It's not that something didn't happen. It's that he forgives you even though it happened. That through Jesus Christ, the penalty has been paid our righteousness and we'll talk about righteousness in a moment our righteousness doesn't matter anymore because we take on the righteousness of christ now why is this important because we really do have to practice forgiveness you see the, the bible does say forgive and you will be forgiven that that's not supposed to threaten us by the way that's supposed to help us constantly be reminded of how much God loved us to the point that he would say, I forgive you through Christ. And if someone were to go to God right now, or or if I'm not hoping I die soon, but if I die next week, don't forget chicken and banana pudding. But I stand before God, and if an angel or someone walks up and says, God, what were his sins on earth? The response would be, I don't, I don't remember. I don't, you know what? I don't remember. Now, please, God is God. He's omniscient. It's not that God can't remember. The Bible says, I will not. He chooses not to remember. Now there's the rub for us. We know it's a choice, we just don't feel it. Now this, I don't have time to really break down forgiveness because we all, you know, don't forgive because they deserve it. Be, forgive so you can move forward. Yeah, but even if you're trying to move forward, but you're still hoping they get what they deserve, you still haven't forgiven them in their heart. And then we get in all kinds of conversations. Well, Well, if we forgive someone, do we need to keep hanging out with them? Only if you're going to go to heaven. Now, I'm not saying don't use wisdom. If somebody's punching you in the face every day, forgive them, but stay on the other side of the room. All right? That's probably too graphic, but anyway. I am saying, though, forgiveness is a choice. If you're not getting along with someone, forgive them, and then choose not to remember it. Now, I'm preaching this also knowing that I've got to practice it just like you. And because I'm just like you, I've got feelings too, Right? Right? And so my beautiful wife is sitting here this morning, and she can tell you. I can tell you for a fact, this woman knows how to practice forgiveness. Because I'm even amazed, man, she's not even still mad about the other day. I got to get this thing stirred back up. I'm still mad about the other day. And she's moved on. I'm not having that. She can't move on. I got stuff to finish. I want her to experience some pain here for a minute before I can really forgive right because if i can make you feel pain now i can forgive you that's not forgiveness that's vengeance so what is god saying about us that through jesus christ when you're saved you're forgiven and he forgets he you don't have to look over your shoulder at god and wonder if he is the same kind of god as you are if you were god what he can do in us though is give us a spirit That over time, we begin to understand, you know what? It's not worth it. They made a mistake. They hurt my feelings. They said this. They said that. But you know what? I forgive them, and I'm going to forget about it. That's what God does for us, right? The fourth thing. Throw that up there. Justified. That word justified comes from a couple different words. We get the word just from justified. We get the word justice. And both of those are roots for simply meaning this very simple definition. Ready? Doing the right thing or being right. When something has found justice, the right thing was done. There was fairness. It was dealt with correctly. When the Bible says that through salvation we are justified... It's not saying that we were finally dealt with. It's saying that our sins were finally dealt with. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Justice has been served through Christ Jesus. Justice made things fair through Christ Jesus. Now, and I know you've heard this before, But now, when we are justified, it is just if I'd never done anything. It was justified, never sinned. Why? It's through Jesus Christ. It's through what Christ has done for me. Now, what you've not heard so far in this is legalism. What you've not heard in this is all the stuff that you better do if you want to be saved because you can't do anything to be saved there's nothing you do it's when you start to understand what christ has done it's like you don't want to be where you used to be you want to be with him when he's paid the price for you and and you've been justified like you've never done anything wrong all your sins have been forgotten all of your sins have been forgiven there should be a freedom. And there's literally when we get saved, some people feel like a weight has been lifted because they're not walking in that guilt and shame anymore. Amen? But then not only we're justified, we we're made righteous. Romans 4.3 says, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as a righteousness. Now this is, wow, I probably should have broke this up into two Sundays. But let me just say this. That word counted, and in other translations accounted, it's it's an accounting term. I want you to think about it like this. When we are saved, we have a bank account full of sin, and God has a bank account full of grace. He empties your bank account and puts that on Christ, and he takes that grace and puts it in your account. Now... Your account is filled with grace. Your life is filled, not unrighteousness, but what Christ has done. Not your works. So, you know, getting prideful and cocky and arrogant, that's like, doesn't even make sense, right? Because it's not about what you did or what you can do anyway. It's about what Christ has done. And that even leads me to this very quickly too. Why, Why wouldn't you want to live and use that account if it's filled with grace. This sort of goes back to the gift that he gives us in salvation. Anyway, it's a free gift of God. If if I were to tell you today that I had the number to your bank account and I just wired one million dollars into your bank account. I know, yeah. Whole different worship service would break out. Sure. But but then, then you walk out of here saying, wow, I'm a millionaire. But you never went to the bank. You never withdrew anything. You never accessed it. Listen, I'm not trying to be just punching this morning. We do the same thing. I'm a Christian. I just never withdraw. I'm a Christian, but I never go to the bank. I never, I never access what God has given me. I never access and use what God has been putting in my life and putting in my hands. And and I I have it, but I don't even even get the card. You know, I I know we can do everything electronically now, but I don't even read the word online. Withdrawals. Can I get an amen? So here's, here's what he's saying. It's a free gift. Access it. Um, I've said this before. I don't think it's the parts of the Word of God that we don't know that scare us. It's the parts that we do know. And when you start realizing that God has filled your account with the power of His Holy Spirit through His Son unto Him, you know, it, it just makes me want to live life differently. You know, I'm a slow learner, okay? I, I confess that all the time. as you know transparency Um, so even at my age I'm still learning little things they're huge but little things like John stay in the word and you'll be amazed at how your mind stays transformed stay in a mindset of worship gaze upon his glory gaze upon his presence you know you become what you look at you will become what you look at. Now, I know that's up for uh, speculation and debate, and I'm welcoming that—not right now, but um, maybe after church. But the reality is this: we do our brains are rewired and and changed dramatically by what we physically watch. As a matter of fact. Um, Neurosurgeons have been doing a lot of testing over the last many, many years, specifically with stroke victims, but neuroplasticity has this uh, common um, understanding that brains that have been impacted by stroke can grow and still gain strength, but, but not because of what they used to do through memory or even what they're able to see. They have to depend purely on action or motor functions to retrain the brain. Now, what does that mean? That means I've got to to be so in touch with God and I'm constantly gazing at him and constantly in the word that some things just become natural reflexes. And it's not because if I don't do these things, I'm not really saved. It's because because my mind is set on him. These things are happening. It's who I am. It's what I am. You know, God, take take this thing out of my life. Get in his word and seek him daily, and you'll you'll sort of start to see a process where that thing is no longer involved. You've not given it space in your life. And and listen, I'm not pushing grace groups. We already have. But that's why we need community. Because if the only time we experience the word is on Sundays, we have a nice lunch, and the Redskins play at one. Right? Right? I'm sorry, if you're not a football fan, you'll be watching something else, all right? My point is, we easily get sidetracked, we easily get distracted because we see and we forget what God is doing. Am I making sense? Okay, so so there's this justified aspect, and we certainly see that God is doing something in our lives. We're righteous. He made for him who knew no sin to become sin, that we might experience righteousness the righteousness of God in him, Christ Jesus. All we need to do is believe it. All we need to do is receive it. It's it's not hard. It's, It's more than just believing, though, right? Satan believes. Satan believes and trembles. It's more than us just believing. It's more than us saying, I'm a Christian, but we never access, receive. So then what happens? There's a word called redeemed. We don't preach enough about this, I know. But here's, here's what this aspect, first of all, I love redeemed, and I'm, I'm not even going to say what I want to say right now because I've got a good brother in here, and I don't want to embarrass him. But he wrote a great book a couple years ago, Redemptive Leadership. And it's just a book packed with story after story of broken people whose lives were redeemed. You see, we're not good about that in church. If you're broken, you're done. But see, that's not that's not God. As a matter of fact, that's how most of us got here. We were broken, and he wanted to prove a point. He wanted to show himself mighty, so he used us. Right? what is it to be redeemed here's what it here's what it means Um, know you not that you are the temple of the holy spirit that when you give your life to christ you become his dwelling place you become his now here's the rub if he bought you who do you belong to him now i know i know we live in america i know all about our independence and I, 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 you know, we we have, we're proud of our country. I'm not bashing anything. Here's what I do know: I don't own myself. I think I'm the boss. I I think I'm in control. But he owns me. That's pretty strong. I, I don't I don't know if I can embrace that. I'm not asking you to embrace it. It's the word. You are redeemed. You're bought back. And you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own, Paul. Argue with him. You are not your own, right? Well, if I'm not my own, why do I keep acting like it? Because you keep walking in the flesh. I do too. That's why Paul also states in another passage, I die daily. Why? Why? Because we, we have a tremendous ability to resurrect the flesh daily. Now, this is not about legalism. It's just about walking out of a relationship that when you remind yourself on a regular basis what God has done, you want to be a part of it. You don't want to be left without the resources. You don't want to be left without the power. You want, it's not about being owned by someone. It's that the creator has purchased you back to the life that we have always wanted but lost. Making things what they should be, justified. Making things fair and righteous, just. But here's the last point. Somebody say amen. Committed. Because the question here is not about can we be saved, but when we give our lives to him, are we totally committed are partially trying what what does this look like in the word what do we see happening because this this word committed or commitment it could be surrender we could talk about it being surrendering we could talk about being totally surrendered if i'm not my own what does it look like when i'm still trying to be my own and surrendered at the same time pretty silly quite honestly, it looks pretty silly. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Now, this is probably the roughest point of the whole message. That's why it's the last. I can hurry up and we'll be done. All right? Listen to what Matthew 7 says. Now, this is powerful. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we did not, we, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, some, some stay here, well, that proves that you can lose your salvation. No, no, listen. Jesus is saying here, I never knew you. It's not that I saved you and, oh, man, you didn't hold on. You didn't earn it. No, he's saying, I never knew you. Now, I know in all of our churches across Hampton Roads, we're diverse enough. A lot of theology is being worked on right now, and it's messing some of you up. Because some of you hope people can lose their salvation. Because you're forgiving them, but you just hope they don't make it. Some some of you are fearful that you've lost your salvation because you think you're having to earn it. Some of you have a mindset that just says, well, it was God's choice, and like you said a few minutes ago, everybody on the planet, their sins are forgiven, so I believe if we're just good, no. No, because Jesus, when they say, Lord, we prophesied. Now, this is the scary part. We prophesied. We did great works. We did great things, I never knew you. Now, do you think he's speaking to people that were hanging out in the world? He's talking to people who were trying to prophesy. He's talking to people who were doing mighty works, but they weren't saved. Now, please hear me. You can be in the middle of it and miss it. Pastor, how do we know we're saved? Who's the boss? Who's the boss? Who's calling the shots in your life every day? This isn't a, if you make a mistake. It's when you do make a mistake, are you quickly to run to the boss? Because the Bible tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So who's the boss? Well, You, you mean, I thought we were saved by faith. You are, and you have to walk by faith. You don't earn it. There's not, a, there's not a checklist. Whoop, I got the list done. I'm saved. I'm good till tomorrow night. See, that's, that's how I was raised. I was raised in a, in a church setting that you just got saved every service just in case. Because if you said something bad, if you did something bad, if you thought something bad. And, and, and the, now listen, the other part was in our church culture, we sort of control things that way. We saw somebody living the way we didn't agree with. You're going to bust hell wide open. Okay, well, when's the next altar service? It was, it was almost like we only, you could only get it right if you were back in church. Listen, God's not putting anybody on a guilt trip this morning. It's just that there's only one way, and it's his way. But that, that right there rubs some people. Why? Because we're human. The flesh kicks in, and we want to be the boss. Um, I just want to ask you this morning, who's the boss? Because when he says, I never knew you, it wasn't that you fell away. It's that you never surrendered. You may have said a prayer, but not with your heart. You may have said a prayer. You You may have said something out of maybe fear or anxiety, or they preached hell just hot enough, That you wanted to get out of hell free card and you prayed it, but when you left, it was like, I'm glad that's over. Now, I'm not trying to challenge anyone's salvation this morning, but that last statement, total surrender, that's what it boils down to. That's what it boils down to. That's when I start living my life differently. That's when it's not behavior modification. It's it's I do it because I realize how much He loves me. See, if it's just the law, I can't fulfill it anyway, right? I'm you know, I, guys, listen, true confessions. I break the law coming to church every Sunday. You know, and I know I, I'm I I probably should live more of a better model to the other drivers on the interstate, but they're just not fast enough for me to get their attention they're, um, they're they you know i'm sorry this is a bad example you know if we have to keep the law we're good at breaking it every day it does you know whatever it is our thoughts our actions our language all the stuff that that the bible's trying to tweak and fo- it's not about getting you to follow rules it's about what does life look like in the kingdom what does life look like When a husband is really loving his wife, as Christ loved the church? What does life look like when we're living a life that we forgive each other and don't hold each other accountable for that stupid stuff they did last week, but try to help them walk it out and be better next week because we're all growing and transforming together? What if instead of looking at the world as, oh my God, how bad it is, what if we looked at the world as what an opportunity for God to be glorified? But it it simply starts with this. He's already paid the price. Will you receive it? It's a gift. He redeems. He justifies. It's it's in our account. Will you be willing to access it? Does that make sense? And there's so much more to this, I know. That's why there is discipleship. That's why. And if you're just visiting today, please. When you get back to your local church, I encourage you, get in a small group, get in a Bible study, get somewhere where the Word of God is being taught and preached and not just, if there's just food and fellowship, go find a Bible study. But if you can find a Bible study with food and fellowship, that's that's, that's gold right there, right? Listen, I want us to pray. Let's stand. I want you to pray with me. Um, and we're not, we're not even calling the praise team up. In just a moment, they're going to start some music very softly. But after, after we pray, and I want to lead you in a prayer. And if you'll just close your eyes, because I'm not trying to manipulate anyone, even those that may be streaming in right now. If you'll just pray with us, because I'm, I'm really wanting all of us just to take a moment with our eyes closed just to think about where you are in God. Not, not on a guilt trip. Just have you really surrendered have you really embraced salvation or has it just been a prayer and you're trying to figure out how to live this out? You don't have to. It's a free gift. He wants us to to access what he has for us. But with everything he's done for us, it really doesn't matter if there's not surrender. We're his. But if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We're going to pray in just a moment. Or maybe, quite honestly, you've you've been calling yourself a Christian, but when you look at your life, this is not about others judging you, but you know you've been the boss. Maybe you wanted to surrender today. Maybe some of you have realized, wow, I've I've not been on the right path at all at times. My life is turned upside down. It just could be, as we've been singing this morning, he wants to prove himself as a good, good father. He just keeps getting better. Why? Because what's revealed to us today is he's not here to put the hammer on us, but to embrace us, to remind us that we're forgiven totally. Our account has been emptied of sin and filled with grace. I'm just, going to re- I'm just going to pray, and if you want to repeat after me, just even in your mind, I, you don't have to speak it out loudly, just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I give my life to you through Jesus Christ. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for forgiving my sins. I could never earn it. I don't deserve it but you died for me anyway. Would you take my life? It belongs to you. Use me. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your grace. But now let me walk in it. Lord, I'm tired of talking about it. I want to walk in it. Now, Father, we just thank you for what you're doing. Lord, and even in these next few moments as we pray and as we're preparing to dismiss, I pray, God, that the work you're beginning in us, we we fully understand that you're going to continue this work. Eternity just started for somebody today. Eternity, Lord, just started for someone today. Lord, and for many of us, you're continuing that work in us. But, Lord, I pray for all of us, you help us to understand. You desire the kind of relationship that we walk in daily It's not about Sunday mornings, it's not about one night a week, it's about a daily relationship that you desire for us to grow stronger and stronger until you come again. Now we ask this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now please listen, before we're dismissed, I want our prayer teams to come, and here's what I do want you to do. If you prayed this morning, we're going to be dismissed, so some will be going that way, But if you prayed this morning and you accepted Christ, this isn't about embarrassing anyone. It's not about embarrassing anyone, but it's pretty significant. You know, a lot of people talk about uh, being nervous to get baptized. You know, being baptized, we're not doing that right now, don't get nervous. But, But being baptized is just that public confession, that public example of what Christ has done. You've been buried with Christ and risen anew. What we're talking about today is you've made that prayer this morning. Telling somebody is important. Telling someone, I made a decision for Christ. I rededicated my life to whatever. Tell someone, okay? So here's what I want us to do. We're going to be dismissed. And then if you would, if you prayed that prayer, I want you just to come down here and tell people. I don't mean turn around and shout it. Um, if If that's in you, go ahead, but... I want you to come down and tell our prayer teams because we want you to be able to start verbalizing that. I gave my life to Christ. I re-de- Does that make sense? You're dismissed. God bless you. If you accepted him and rededicated your life, I want you to come. But if not, be blessed. I love you, and we'll certainly see you. Be talking this week, and we'll see you next Sunday. Bless you.